selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Could it be? Is there a serial killer stalking college-age men who leaves a smiley face signature where he dumps his victims? This is Avery After Dark, and I am your host, Avery Ross. Today's episode is centered around the mystery, the possibility, the theory of the smiley face killer. This episode has me really fired up, and you'll see why. If conspiracy theories are your thing, this episode is going to be right up your alley. Before we get into today's episode, if you enjoy Avery After Dark, if you would please leave a good rating and review on Apple Podcasts, it helps so much. And the awesome reviews you all have already left, I appreciate it so much. Thank you. For more cases and stories, make sure you're subscribed up and watching my YouTube channel. I post all kinds of spooky stories on there. And if you want all these episodes ad-free, join the Avery After Dark Patreon. I love my Patreon members. Thank you all so much. Now, let's get into the case. Serial killers have rapidly declined since the 1980s. But even today, in 2022, according to the FBI, there are currently more than 25 serial killers operating in the United States. Yes, a stark decline since the horrifically memorable years of Ted Bundy, BTK, and Dahmer. But more than 25? That means there are still dozens out there. Many believe that of those 25 currently operating is the nearly untraceable and extremely calculated smiley face killer. So, who are thought to be the victims of this smiley face killer? 45 young white men across the U.S. in 25 different cities and 11 different states who have all died under mysterious circumstances. All of these young men were good-looking, athletic, academically successful. The linking connection in all these cases is that every single one of them went missing after a night out. In every case, 
The victim will separate from their friend group, somehow end up alone, most of the time walking home. Then they disappear, sometimes for days, other times for months. When they're later found, they are always recovered floating in a body of water, and the cause of death is either declared accidental drowning or unexplained. After these men go missing, in a few of these cases, witnesses reported seeing suspicious vans and cars following the victims as they left their last known location, indicating a targeted attack. And when their bodies are discovered nearby, a graffitied smiley face has repeatedly been found on the nearest man-made structure where the body is recovered. This smiley face drawing is thought to be a calling card, if you will, from the serial killer, and what could it symbolize? Maybe a feeling of pride over what the killer has done. An indication to police that this was no accident, this was them. A symbol taunting the police. Or all of the above. Here's the thing. If the smiley face killer does exist, he is one of the most prolific serial killers in the world. And in my opinion, the oddities and similarities in many of the cases we're going to cover are too much for me to brush off just as a coincidence. Some of these cases reek of foul play, although many of them have been ruled accidental and filed away in a back room. Targeting young men who had been drinking? What a calculated demographic to go after. Because investigators will often look at these deaths as accidental, prohibiting any further investigations into the cases and thus never finding any evidence to tie the cases to a killer. But we'll see what you think. Let's head back to the start of this. Where did this all begin? This smiley face killer theory originated with two New York City police detectives named Kevin Gannon and Anthony Duarte. And it all started with the 1997 disappearance and shocking drowning of 21-year-old Patrick McNeil. Patrick McNeil was a well-liked young man amongst his peers. He attended Fordham University and was smart, good-looking, and even had ambitions to join the FBI one day. On February 16th, McNeil went out drinking with his friends at a regular spot in Manhattan called the Dapper Dog, something the group of guys did quite often. The place was packed that Sunday night, and it was a popular spot for university students. Patrick was last seen drinking with friends there. And according to friends and family, Patrick was one that usually handled his drink well. He was a fairly big, athletic guy, and it wasn't common for him to overdo it. But that night, after just a few drinks, he was stumbling around, obviously very intoxicated. He even became sick in the bathroom and then said slurred goodbyes to his friends. He was supposed to walk home with a female friend, but she took too long inside. So Patrick said, I'm leaving, and left the bar alone. Witnesses that passed him on the street late that night watched with concern as he stumbled along, even falling over a few times. But hey, a young college guy seeming intoxicated, nothing really shocking about that. But one thing that did catch the eye of passerbys was a van that seemed to be following Patrick as he walked home. Witnesses said that the van followed his pace, meaning that when he stopped and fell, the van would slow down. Witnesses watched as Patrick turned left onto 90th Street and then saw that same van turn right behind him, following him. This was the last anyone ever saw of Patrick McNeil. He was reported missing the next day. A search began, friends and family plastered the city with missing flyers, but there was no sign of him. 
Patrick's family was insistent that police do a proper search for their son, but they were treated as an annoyance. Police began digging into his personal life and suggested that Patrick wanted to disappear. One detective told police that Patrick, being the popular guy that he was, had gotten numerous women pregnant and was most likely running away from his responsibilities. Even a manager at the bar he was last seen at, the Dapper Dog, suggested that Patrick was probably off, quote, shooting heroin on the west side. Two months later, a shocking discovery was made in the East River. Patrick McNeil's body was found floating face up. He was spotted by walkers and was 12 miles away from where he was last seen. Police said there was no evidence of foul play and his death was ruled accidental due to alcohol intoxication. One of those witnesses who was obviously very suspicious of that van following him the night he disappeared, informed police and even managed to get a few numbers of the license plate and gave it to authorities. They reportedly did try to run it, but weren't able to find any hits. It was only half a plate number after all. So enter Detective Kevin Gannon and Detective Anthony Duarte of the New York City Police Department. While many of their colleagues chalked this up to an accident, alcohol plus college kid, you do the math. Detective Gannon and Duarte weren't so convinced. The two had a sneaking suspicion that there was something more to this and wanted to keep investigating. Along with witnesses spotting that van, another thing that they found suspicious was it looked like the victim had possible ligature marks around his wrists and neck. They wondered, how would the victim sustain these kinds of marks if he just slipped and fell into the water? Patrick's parents also really doubted that this was an accident. They knew their son. He didn't have any history of heavy alcohol abuse. This entire scenario seemed very out of character for him. They felt that something far more sinister happened that night. They felt their son was targeted and murdered. So Gannon and Duarte jump into the investigation and were joined by a retired NYPD detective, Mike Donovan. And soon after that, a St. Cloud University sociology professor named Dr. Lee Gilbertson. Four brains are better than two. So this way, they have three investigative detective minds and an academic scientific perspective on this case with Dr. Gilbertson. The team began looking for cases that were similar to Patrick's. Popular young men out for a night drinking, ending up missing, and then discovered drowned. And they got quite a few hits. They rifled through case after case and found more and more just like Patrick McNeil's. All similar circumstances leading up to the death, all suspicious in nature, and most of all, they all had families who were objecting to this quote-unquote accidental ruling. As their list of similar cases grew, two words flashed inside their minds like a bright neon sign, serial killer. Their theory was this killer targeted these men. This killer was probably fueled by jealousy. All of these men were popular, good-looking, successful, received a lot of attention from women. Detectives believe that the killer is a, quote, frustrated loser with no job or friends, so they feel the need to target young guys who are doing well in life, end quote. They believe that the killer would drug unsuspecting victims at a bar or party, then abduct them, torture them, and hold them before eventually dumping them in the closest body of water. The other commonality in these cases... That symbol of that haunting smiley face graffitied in nearly a dozen locations where bodies were dumped. These haunting smiley faces have been found in Ohio, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Iowa. 
the size, style, and paint color of the smiley faces varies. But the team of men remained convinced that this was the killer's signature. And boom, they've got a name for him. Smiley Face Killer. So, you've heard their theory. Let's talk about how they got there. Here are some of the cases the team of detectives believe are connected. First, the strange and suspicious case of Brian Welzian. On January 1st, 2000, in Chicago, Illinois, 21-year-old Brian was at a New Year's Eve party all night. He and his friends were having a great time until Brian suddenly told his friends that he was going to call it a night and head back to the hotel where they were staying. They all say, all right, and a few of his friends join him and they make their way back to their hotel. On the way back home, Brian became sick in the car. He was throwing up. A friend told him to get out of the car while he parked, and witnesses inside the hotel saw Brian throwing up in the street. His friends went up to the room, assuming Brian would follow along shortly after, but Brian never made it back upstairs. He was reported missing, and 77 days later, on March 17th, Brian's body was found washed ashore on a beach in Gary, Indiana, 30 miles south of Chicago. The minimal decomposition suggested that he wasn't exposed to the elements for very long, and perhaps only died 36 hours before hitting the water. Also strangely, his blood alcohol level was only 0.08. You are considered legally impaired in the U.S. at that limit, but for a young man, that's usually about four to five drinks. Which, if you're taking into account this is New Year's Eve, he's 21, doesn't seem to be an alarming level to me personally, but hey, that can be subjective. I understand that booze can hit everyone differently, but from how sick he was, the entire car ride home, outside the hotel, so much so that everyone is watching him from inside, sounds like he was really sick. He, like Patrick McNeil, both became very ill before disappearing, making me wonder if they were perhaps slip something. All in all, his death was ruled as an undetermined drowning. Investigators believed that he could have walked to the edge of Lake Michigan, a five-minute walk from the hotel, and fallen in. Okay. The average temperature in Chicago in January is 31 degrees as the high and 18 degrees as the low. It's the coldest and snowiest month. For those who have been to Chicago in the winter or my listeners that even live there, you know, it is frigid, you are cold to the bone. So investigators' theory was that he walked in the freezing cold weather, having been incredibly sick, all alone, when his hotel and warm bed is mere steps away. Why would he do that? We've all been sick before. I can only speak for myself here, but most times... I want to crawl into bed and go to sleep, not go for a midnight jaunt through below-freezing downtown Chicago. And remember, Brian was the one who wanted to go home, so it's not like he would have head back out to continue partying. As you'll see in here with a lot of these cases, things don't really add up. The next case we're going to talk about is that of Todd Geeb. On June 25th, 2005, 22-year-old Todd left a party in an orchard near his hometown in Michigan. He left alone and made a series of phone calls from his cell phone to a friend who said Todd told her, quote, I'm in a field. Then the call dropped. From here, Todd disappears. He was reported missing and 22 days later, his body is found floating upright. Again, his body showed very little signs of decomposition. 
So let's say he decided to go swimming that night, or somehow fell and drowned in the water. The state of the decomposition would have reflected this, but it didn't. Toxicology report found traces of alcohol and an unprescribed antidepressant in his system. This was strange, as it was reported that Todd wasn't suffering from any kind of depression at the time. A smiley face had been spray-painted on a tree near where Todd's body was found. And later, this gives me chills. A smiley face sticker was placed on Todd's gravesite, and no one knows who placed it there. And now a quick word from today's sponsors. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. You're back with Avery After Dark. The next case is Lucas Holman. On September 29, 2006, Lucas, 21, had been out celebrating Oktoberfest with friends all day in La Crosse, Wisconsin. That evening, the group went bar hopping, and Lucas and a friend left the bars to head home around 10 p.m. But somehow, Lucas and his friend somehow get separated on the walk, and his friend ends up in the ER with a head injury after being picked up by police. He said he couldn't remember anything that happened that night. Lucas, on the other hand, was missing. They couldn't find him anywhere, and this friend said he had no memory of what happened after they left the bars. Three days later, Lucas is found floating in the Mississippi River. A clothing analyst determined that he was only in the water for 3 to 12 hours, though. And according to Detective Gannon, Lucas had various injuries on his head, hands, and arms. And they theorized that a mark on his forehead may have been a footprint that was the result of Lucas being held down. Another smiley face was found spray-painted near where his body was discovered. Even with all this, 
Lucas's death was ruled an accidental drowning due to acute alcohol intoxication. <sighs> so his friend is injured in the ER with no memory of the night or what happened to them. Lucas is found deceased with evidence suggesting that he was held down. An expert saying, hey, he's been missing for days, but evidence shows he's only been in the water for 3 to 12 hours max. All this, and police decide it's not worth looking into. I'm just shocked. The next case is a Navy veteran, 24-year-old William Hurley. He went missing after attending a Bruins hockey game in Boston, Massachusetts on October 8, 2009. He went to the game with two friends, but halfway through, William called his fiancée Claire and said he wanted to leave. The reason why isn't specified. William walks outside while Claire drove to the stadium to pick him up. When she got there, he was nowhere in sight. So Claire starts calling William to find out, hey, where are you? She said William answered the phone. She heard him ask someone where he was located. The man in the background said, 99 Nashua Street. William says he's at this location and his cell phone battery is dying. So Claire drives over to this location, but again, William isn't there either. She calls him again, but at this point, his cell phone was dead. Claire drove around for another hour, looking all over for William before eventually heading back home. Claire thinks, okay, William must have gotten another ride or a taxi home. But when she got back, William wasn't there. She reported him missing and the search began. Six days after his disappearance, William Hurley's body was found in the Charles River close to where he asked Claire to pick him up. Investigators say there was no sign of foul play and his death was ruled an undetermined drowning. William's mother received a copy of the autopsy report and allowed a doctor to look it over. She found that her son had repeatedly suffered blunt force trauma to the head, his eye socket, and behind his left leg. Also, GHB was found in his system along with alcohol. As you'll hear, finding GHB, a date rape drug, in some of these cases is very common and brushed off by investigators, and they claim that these men probably took the drug willingly. So I'm not sure if this is a gender BS thing, because all I can say is both women and men who show evidence of being drugged, something slipped in their drinks, both genders should both equally be sympathized with and thoroughly investigated. I don't care if you're a woman, I don't care if you're a man. It's horrible to do this to either. I don't know if it's maybe because these are men that a cheek is being turned here, but that is wrong and infuriating. Side effects of GHB include drowsiness, nausea, vomiting, vision changes, unconsciousness, and even death. So for a lot of these victims, witnesses say they see them getting ill or becoming really intoxicated really quick. These are all signs that they may have been drugged. William was a Navy veteran, someone trained in defense, how to protect yourself. How did this happen to him? A smiley face was found painted near the river. So as you can see, all of these cases are very, very similar. Same ages, same circumstances, discovered in the same way. Pretty eerie. Also notable when compiling their list, the coroner's reports all had strange similarities to Patrick's case from 1997. The bodies found in the water were probably dumped there after being killed. As in many cases, their lungs didn't always show clear signs of drowning. 
and the state of decomposition was different than what you would expect to see with a corpse left outdoors for days or weeks or months. For example, there was a 2005 case where a young man named Tommy Booth, a Pennsylvania local, went missing and his body was found in a creek behind the bar he was last seen at 14 days later. What made this extremely suspicious is that entire area had been searched extensively in the days immediately after his disappearance and nothing was found. But then suddenly one day there he is. Was it just simply overlooked by search teams? Or, as his family claims, was he dumped there later? Adding on top of that, a suspicious pair of footprints were found nearby in a few of these cases, and also what appears to be drag marks have been found. There were also faint rope burns on many of the victims, just like Patrick McNeil, suggesting that the victims were somehow tied up. And what was found drawn on the back wall of the bar where Tommy was last seen with friends? The smiley face. So, how on earth police landed at an accidental drowning verdict in Tommy's case is beyond me. While we're on the track of those smiley faces, at the crime scene of a drowning in Michigan, Gannon and Duarte discovered graffiti that they believed was written by the killer. But this time, it wasn't just a smiley face. They were puzzled by a word they hadn't seen before. Sinsiniwa. They had no idea what this word meant. Then... The detectives found that same word in Iowa, where they were investigating the drowning of 24-year-old Matt Kruszewski, Sinsiniwa. But again, we're still so confused of what it meant. Bloodhounds tracked Matt's scent to an intersection near the Mississippi River. Chillingly, the intersection and street name they were led to was Sinsiniwa Avenue. Detective Gannon said, quote, We believe they were specifically leaving a clue for us or anyone who was paying attention to these drownings that the cases were ultimately linked, end quote. You may say, okay, but a smiley face? That seems to be fairly commonly drawn graffiti. Seems harmless. But with many of these cases, the investigators cross-referenced other cases with graffiti, and this strangely unnerving smiley face popped up again and again, suspiciously close to where these victims were found. Sometimes these smiley faces would even have horns. For a killer to leave this kind of calling card, it says a lot about who the person is. Cocky, smug, a killer that would want police and the public to know who's behind this. Someone that wants attention, And as they investigated, more and more cases popped up. In late March of 2007, 19-year-old Iowa State University sophomore Abel Bolanos went missing after attending several off-campus parties. Days later, his body was discovered in a small lake on campus. While police found superficial abrasions on Bolanos' body, there were no sign of traumatic injury, and his death was ruled an accidental drowning with acute alcohol intoxication. 14 months later, the investigative team went and toured the lake with a local reporter. It was then they discovered and took photos of something notable they found in a drainage tunnel near where his body was discovered. An orange smiley face with horns and the words, evil, happy, smiley face man. And the team concluded that Bolano's death was the work of the smiley face killers. Note, I said killers. Something changed in the investigation, a shift when it was discovered that some of these deaths occurred on the same night, but in different states. So how could this be possible? 
someone can't be in two places at once, does that shatter this theory completely? No. Detectives altered their theory and believed that the murders were carried out by an organized group of killers. So the smiley face killer has turned into smiley face killers. I mean, what's more terrifying than one serial killer? A group of them working together. So how do the smiley face killers organize these murders? The group or gang is said to communicate through the dark web. The group of killers use the internet to talk to each other. Gannon said, quote, the smiley face killers are a group of well-structured, organized individuals and have cells throughout the United States. The team said they've seen these websites firsthand and know they exist. Gannon and Duarte even once managed to get access to one of the group's login pages on the dark web. They were told that to enter, they had to turn on their webcams, show themselves, and give credentials. The detectives refused, and that was as far as it got. In 2008, the team went public and announced their theory during numerous national media interviews. As their cases piled up, the team found other striking similarities with all these victims. Here are some notable ones. None had histories of alcohol or drug abuse. No histories of erratic behavior or unexplained absences. They were all high-achieving men, often gifted athletes or skilled in a specific area. They all disappeared at night. All became separated from friends. They all remained missing for days, weeks, sometimes months. And their phones, wallets, and personal items were found in other unexpected places. Suspiciously, many of the victims were later found in general areas that had already been searched. In a few of these cases, an unidentified car or van was seen following these men as they stumbled home. GHB, or other antidepressants, have been found in their systems. As you can probably tell, the team's investigation lasted years and years and years, and this group of men believed in this theory so much that they reportedly used their own personal money to fund the investigation when official funds dried up. This is a really hard part, I imagine, for police and detectives because they are given a certain amount of funds to investigate a case. And when that X amount of dollars is gone, they're supposed to move on. So many honorable police and detectives are so, so investigated in these investigations. They eat, sleep, and drink it every day. They want it solved as much as anyone else. So I really commend this team for giving it their all. And over time, the smiley face killer theory was beginning to stick. So much so that Minneapolis PD actually changed and reclassified one of their accidental drowning cases to homicide. Chris Jenkins in 2002, a popular student at the University of Minnesota, so similar to so many of the other cases. 21-year-old Chris was last seen leaving a Halloween party at the Lone Tree Bar and Grill in downtown Minneapolis. His body was found in the Mississippi River in February, and his family has no idea what happened to him to this day. Three other young men his age had also gone missing under nearly identical circumstances, which only adds to the suspicion. So why not the rest? The dozens of other cases in different states that have been labeled as accidental drownings and boom, case closed. The Smiley Face investigative team claims police don't want to admit that they got it wrong. And now another quick word from today's sponsors. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. 
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. You're back with Avery After Dark. So you've heard the team and their theories. On the other hand, FBI and several police organizations have researched the deaths and have concluded that there is no link. They released a statement and said, quote, To date, we have not developed any evidence to support links between these tragic deaths or any evidence substantiating the theory that these deaths are the work of a serial killer or killers. The vast majority of these instances appear to be alcohol-related drownings." The Center for Homicide Research went so far as to publishing an exhaustive report called, quote, "...drowning the smiley face theory." It lists 18 reasons that the theory doesn't hold water, including the fact that smiley faces are a very common form of graffiti and that murder by drowning is extremely rare. In my opinion, that could be just what the killers are aware of. Dumping the bodies in water to make it seem like a drunken accident, therefore cleansing away most of the physical evidence, and although officials are denying any link, cases of this nature keep piling up throughout the years. I want to talk about one of the most disturbing cases connected to all this, and that is what happened to Dakota James. On January 25, 2017, 11.30 p.m., 23-year-old Dakota James was last spotted on CCTV in downtown Pittsburgh. He was last seen turning down an alleyway on his cell phone. He had just left a friend's house after a night out and was heading home to his apartment on the north side. He was never seen again. Forty days later, Dakota's body was recovered, floating in the Ohio River about 10 miles away from where he was last seen on that CCTV. As per usual, it was ruled an accidental drowning. The official verdict is that he walked over to a section of the riverside near the Clemente Bridge to urinate in the water and ended up falling in. But his parents never accepted this because Dakota was the captain of the swimming team and an athlete. So would he be able to get himself out of the water? His parents believe so. Dakota's mother told CBS News, I just knew that something had happened. I honestly believe Dakota was picked up when he came out of the alley. His parents also noted that he wasn't a heavy drinker and would not have accidentally fallen in the water. 
Notably, in his toxicology report, GHB was found. And per an investigator, quote, there was very little decomposition internally and externally. It does not look like a body that's been in the river for seven weeks. Dakota's mother, Pam, also points out that there were no scratch marks on Dakota's face or hands. Detective Gannon and the team investigated the case and said, quote, There's no way a body could travel 10 miles through a dam, 40 days, and be that pristine. It's impossible. I've seen hundreds of these cases, and I'm telling you, it doesn't make sense. The team also saw something in the photos. Gannon noticed, quote, suspicious marks around Dakota's neck. The team consulted with Dr. Cyril Wecht, a forensic pathologist, and Dr. Wecht said, The marks are, quote, strongly suggestive of and entirely consistent with a ligature having been applied around the neck. This death may have been due to ligature strangulation. They also noted there was blood pooled in the fingers on both of Dakota's hands, which could result from trying to pull a ligature away from the neck. And you gotta hear this. One of the most disturbing details in this case is weeks before his death, Dakota was out with that same group of friends and suddenly found himself lost on some unfamiliar street. He had no idea how he got there. He was all alone and completely disoriented. Dakota was panicked and texted his friend Shelly to come get him. He told her, I don't know where I am. I am so cold. Please come get me. I'm lost. Shelly could hear him crying. She eventually found him using his phone's GPS, and he was on the bottom floor of a residential building. A dark SUV was parked in the wrong lane, and Dakota was walking straight towards it when she picked him up and shouted him over. Dakota couldn't really explain what happened or how he ended up there, but said that four hours from 7 p.m. to 11 p.m., he had completely lost all of his memory. His friends urged him to go to the hospital, but Dakota didn't and just wanted to forget the entire thing. It appears that Dakota was nearly kidnapped that night and narrowly came to and escaped. And a month later, was there a second attempt? Dakota's mom said, quote, Could it be a cult? An initiation thing? It's something. It's something very evil is what it is. All in all, there are over 100-plus cases that have possible connections to the smiley face killers. And all the while, the FBI says, it's not real. There is no smiley face killer. Or killers. They point to the idea that drunk college kids and water don't mix. Many of these cases took place in the colder months, and to that, District Attorney Stephen Zapala, who worked on the Dakota James case, said, that time of year, with the water temperature... You only have a couple minutes before you go into shock, and that's all. So he's saying it doesn't matter that he was more than an adequate swimmer. If you're intoxicated and fall into freezing water, it's really hard to physically pull yourself out. Okay, then why just this demographic? The FBI say that statistically, this demographic of college-age male students drink pretty excessively and frequently walk home alone. On these walks, they may stop by the water, relieve themselves, stumble and fall down, and never make it back out of the water. Okay, then what about the drugs found in some of these victims' toxicology reports, notably the GHB? Well, investigators say that these men could have taken these drugs willingly and made them more apt to these kinds of accidents. The FBI remains committed to their belief that these cases are merely a series of tragic yet unrelated accidents. But for many others, the similarities and suspicious circumstances around many of these cases seem to be no accident. 
When looking at this case and deciding whether you believe the smiley face killers exist, it's important to note that this was a popular calling card from a serial killer in the past. Yeah. And now a final quick word from today's sponsors. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. From 1992 to 1995, a Wyoming man named Keith Jesperson murdered eight women and sent these anonymous letters to the press which he signed off with a smiley face. This won him the nickname The Happy Face Killer and at one point he claimed to have murdered a staggering 185 victims. Some point to the idea that this group may have taken a sick and twisted inspiration from Keith Jesperson. Another theory that's been tossed around is that there may be a smiley face killer copycat. Someone that's heard of this story, heard of the theory, and has copied. As you all know, we talk a lot on this podcast about the supernatural, and a few years ago a well-known medium was brought onto this case. Tyler Henry. Some of you may be fans of his, some of you may think he's full of it, some of you maybe don't even know who he is. Me personally, I have watched some of his readings, but I don't know if I have seen enough of his work and researched him enough to say either way. And in 2019, he sat down with Tommy Booth's mother on his TV show, one of the thought-to-be victims of the smiley face killer I spoke of earlier. This was the case where he was suspiciously found in the woods that had already been searched, and that damning smiley face symbol was found drawn on the back wall of the bar he was last seen drinking with friends. At the scene, there were also unidentified boot prints and what appeared to be drag marks. So, a very suspicious case. And as you can imagine, his family has urine for answers. In Tyler's session with Tommy's mother, he claimed to channel the spirit of Tommy and confirmed that it was no accident, he was murdered. Some people take this as further confirmation that there is a serial killer or killers out there, and others who don't believe in what Tyler does as a profession really think anything of this. But at the end of the day, officials have tried to shut down this rumor of the smiley face killers for years. Years telling the public it's not true. But the fact is, the bodies keep cropping up, 
and the theory has only gained momentum in the past few years. I'm of the opinion that some of these cases, especially the ones where some of the victims were being followed by unidentified vans, vehicles, the cases where victims have GHB in their system, where their decomposition doesn't match how long they were supposedly in the water, where the victims have faint marks indicating they had been tied up, those, I believe, are no accident. I believe they are the work of a killer, a premeditated, calculated killer. And along with that team of investigators, most of these victims' families don't believe these cases were simply accidents either. You don't need to live in fear. That's no way to live. But there are certain precautions that I think everyone should take in making sure you're never walking around alone at night, especially if you've been drinking, is very high on my list of precautions. I don't care if you're 17 or 70. When you're alone, you're an easier target. It's just a fact. But what do you think? I shared a handful of cases connected to the smiley face killer theory. What does your inner detective tell you? Are these cases just tragic accidents? Or do you believe there's a group of smiley face serial killers operating among us? A group that continues to operate and target these young men all the while remaining undetected. Because if that's true, then this is huge. And these young men and their families deserve justice. Would love to know your thoughts on this case. Be sure to share this podcast with your friends and family. And until next episode, this is Avery After Dark. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. <laughs>